0: Welcome to The Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, you're about to hear a conversation with Sarah Bobbins, who was my student over 10 years ago, and who now is outbound lead, for Thule shipping, the Thule products, I'm pretty sure most of you have heard of. And she's also Sarah Kay, Sarah Kay Confections. She has started a baking business. So Sarah has two trajectories for her practice career. She, you'll hear in a moment, is gifted in all manner of logistics, getting that product out to the customers anywhere that they need it on time and in very good shape. But she also takes that same concern for the customer experience and she's making comfort food, (laughs) cookies mainly and some other nice things, comfort food. And boy, in these times, who doesn't need comfort food? <laughs> oh, I wish I could eat a lot more, but it's a very nice thing for her to do. It's a it's, it's a sideline, but it is definitely something that's tapping into other of her talents. And she's very serious about both. So it's been a real t- treat, <laughs> speaking of comfort food, to have this conversation with Sarah Well, folks, this is Sarah Bobbins, the famous baking Sarah K. Confections Bobbins. (laughs) Well, famous with me, even though I haven't tried any of her baked goods yet, I saw her LinkedIn post and I thought, there's the Sarah Bobbins that was my student about, what, 10 years ago now, Sarah? Yep. <laughs> and in just getting reacquainted before we started recording, I learned that she is also the lead, say the it again. outbound lead, the outbound lead for shipping for Thule Company, which makes all kinds of cool stuff that I used to call tool, but it's tooly like ski racks, bike racks. What else is you shipping from here, Sarah?
1: Well, it's a lot of outdoor things. We branched out a lot into strollers for active people. So jogging strollers, ones that attach to bikes. Um, We also do a lot of outdoor bags and hiking sort of things. It's very outdoor focused.
0: And, and you've been with the company?
1: Five years.
0: And now you're a lead. Yep. What does that make you responsible for doing?
1: Um, well, I'm responsible for a lot of the paperwork. It's a lot of routing specific shipments, making sure things get out to the customers and the, the right customers within their timeframes.
0: You're shipping nationally, internationally?
1: Uh, Both. Most of a lot of what we do is um, within the country, but we do do some things that ship to um, Chile, Puerto Rico. We do things to um, a few other countries, but we have locations in other countries. So our stuff is mostly within the states.
0: What is it about that paperwork? Some people go, oh, paperwork, but you sound pretty chipper about paperwork and making sure everything happens. What do you like most about that?
1: I like being organized and I like making lists and I like making sure things are done the right way. So being able to set up the shipments, create the bills that go with it, file all that stuff. I don't know, something about being organized and making everything correctly, it just, I don't know, I really enjoy that. (laughs) I used to think I would be a really good secretary because I just love paperwork.
0: Well, in a way, you're certainly, have a larger responsibility than the old fashioned secretary Mm -hmm. position, which probably hardly exists anywhere anymore. But it is um, a pleasure to hear someone who loves organizing, particularly something that important because it's you are the human versus the artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And you're going to win.
1: I hope so. (laughs)
0: because the artificial intelligence, uh, probably some of which you've adapted uh, for uh, accuracy and all of that doesn't care, you do. So if something doesn't go well or even goes wrong and you hear about it, what do you feel?
1: I wanna do the research. I wanna find out what went wrong and why it went wrong and then figure out how we can go about making sure it doesn't happen again.
0: And going further with the apology if necessary, right? Mm -hmm. Or or making it right, you know, with the customer.
1: I'm also, one of my main responsibilities is handling our customer service email box. So I do get to look into issues, things that didn't go right. And I get to, you know, make, make it right. If I can shipping out new pieces, if something gets lost, just if something didn't, you know, there was a mistake on an order, someone forgot to put something on, just making sure we get the new order shipped out as soon as possible.
0: That that's a, that's a lot of responsibility. And I must tell you that Uh, Let's see, 2006, you might not have been in my classes around that time, but um, Dr. Steve Cavallari and I uh, published a book called Inside Knowledge, Rediscovering the Source of Performance Improvement. And uh, the the main character, the protagonist, was uh, a woman named Dana Gilbert. And her job sounded very much like yours. And I wrote an entire novel, a, a business novel about Dana Gilbert. That's how important I believed then and now that your work is.
1: I did. I remember we read that book in class. I wasn't ah. there when we read it, but we read that book in class.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember then I, that what I said that she was basically on on the phone spare. They're not, not quite as responsible as your position, but she was very concerned about the business customers that she was serving and and felt it when things didn't go right. Mm-hmm. And then she got fired.
1: Well, hopefully <laughs> that doesn't happen to me.
0: <laughs> no, it, it won't. But she got her job back. And uh, the, one of the, the, the villain in that book was uh, the, uh, well, several people but they represented the onset of the use of electronics to replace people on the phones and on the computers. That was gonna be all sales could be managed in this distribution company with the computers. And this was 2006 or so. So we, we saw it coming and we wanted to make that business influence uh, something that uh, they needed to contend with. If they hadn't been faking the results at that particular electronic uh, solution was giving, and it might have worked out. But in the meantime, it didn't. And so Dana figured that all out with with her help of her friends. Now let's go, I'm going to get to the baking pretty soon, but it's going to make me start drooling and it'll be hard for me to speak on my my microphone. Because let's face it, everything you bake, I want, but I can't have it because... (laughs) I'm almost 80 and I'm not supposed to eat lovely stuff anymore, but I might sneak something next time I can find you. But um, in regard to this responsibility, with whom do you have to work on a daily basis within your shop to make sure all these things go well?
1: Well, I have my direct supervisor who Mm -hmm. I sit right next to. We do most of our daily work together. um, And then all of the other we call them LTL. So this is, we do the, the larger shipments. So we ship out the things going on pallets. Um, so all of the employees who pick those orders, who pack them, um, they bring them paperwork to me. Once it's done, I make sure it gets shipped out. Um, and then I also help out in the department next to mine, which ships the smaller parcel orders. Um, but I would say I honestly probably interact with almost everybody in my building on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, We're fairly small. There's only just under 40 people in the, in our building right now, Mm -hmm. but every single day I work with the other departments to see if they have anything that needs to get done, needs to get on our trucks to make sure we have space for them. Um, I route the shipments for other departments as well. And I'm trained, um, the the small parcel department, that's where I started when I first worked there. So I was in that department for about four years. So I have a lot of knowledge and experience that they will sometimes bring over to me and have me help out if they're a little short staffed or if they're a little busy.
0: Wow. (laughs) So you don't just sit in that chair and Type on the keyboard and hand, you don't even have phones anymore, do we? I, I guess we do. But you're you're up and about as well as in your chair. But you're you're reaching out um, during the pandemic. How did that affect your your shop?
1: Oh, we were open. All hands on deck. We were actually got busier during the pandemic because so many people were outside and they were purchasing the products that we sell. So we actually ended up having you know, overtime days, 10 hour days throughout the week where wow. we had our masks, we had our sanitizing and our distancing, but we were in the building full time, even overtime, for the majority of the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good for the workforce and good for the people who could sell your products once mm-hmm. you shipped them to them. So it's good for everyone. And I'm glad you guys made it through without, uh, the, uh, the, Covid coming around your your, your door. Um, we
1: definitely had some spurts of it throughout the oh, pandemic, yeah. a few times, okay. but we came out pretty much clear clear for the most part.
0: Now I want to talk about. All right, I'm. Mm, <laughs> um, when did you? Um, I I think probably when I knew you ten year ten plus years ago, you were doing some baking and cooking, weren't you?
1: Absolutely. I've, I've been baking and, and cooking my own meals for a long time. I just, I always enjoyed being in the kitchen.
0: Mm-hmm. And about the baking part way back uh, in, in high school, junior high, did you
1: um, bake I with your, say, uh,
0: your mother and grandmother? Or how did that get, get into uh, your.
1: My mom used to do a lot of not necessarily like scratch baking, but she did a lot of decorating um Um, she she got creative she used to get a lot of those little those little molds and she would make a lot of little chocolates and things like that for family events and do all all the birthday cakes um uh, my aunt is actually a chef so the cooking and stuff kind of runs in the family uh um I probably didn't start doing my own baking till probably high school or a little after that
0: okay and you know for family and friends baking uh, when did it start to occur to you that it was time to get serious? I understand you went to culinary school and get real serious about Sarah Kay.
1: The, you know, the desire to start baking didn't even come from my enjoyment of baking. I hated my job at the point. <laughs> I was, it was while I was still a tooley, but I was just, I wasn't I comf- It wasn't something I wanted or saw myself doing long-term. I wasn't happy with how things were being run at the time. And I was just like, you know what? I think I wanna to try to get out of here. And mm-hmm. I saw an ad pop up, I wanna say on Facebook for a culinary school. And I was like, I like to bake, I like to cook. Maybe I'll I'll just request some information, see what it's about. So I sent out an email to two different mm-hmm. culinary schools. One of them sent me a packet in the mail. The other one called me and was like, hey, we have an open house this week. You should come by, just see what that it's was about. A sign.
0: That was a sign, yeah. right?
1: And I wasn't going to go because I have social anxiety and I didn't want to, you know, go by myself and feel super awkward, but I did. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I have no intention of signing up. You know, school probably isn't something I can afford right now. Um, But I went and I fell in love with it. And they, of course, had a a deal if you signed up that day. You know, they waived the application fee. And I was like, you know what? If I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it.
0: Oh, man. I'm so proud of you. I'm very, very (laughs) proud of you. That. That took a lot. I mean, the, the social anxiety, certainly, but just that whole thing about putting yourself in that moment into a very different line of your life. You know, mm-hmm. you've got apparel lines for sure, but that was stepping over and stepping out into a new line of your life.
1: It was and terrifying. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you got to like it though. Uh, what what were some of the reasons you got to like being with that in that school and learning the skills?
1: The the chefs were one of the biggest things is we met a couple of them during the open house and they were just they were very welcoming. And a lot of them have so much real world experience, whether they've been doing this for a long time, they've owned their own restaurants. Mm. Um, I had one chef who is actually on Food Network at one point and it was just, it was really exciting to learn the things that they learned. And there were some things in it, as we went through the courses and I was like, well, I probably could have learned a lot of this online. I might not have had to pay for school but then there were those random little nuggets of information that they shared with us that I was like, this is not something I would have been able to learn on my own. It was just that real world experience they gave us. And the chefs at that school, just you could tell they wanted us to do well. They wanted us to, to be passionate about, about baking, about cooking.
0: Boy, that's a great plug for the, your teachers there. <laughs> and why don't we plug the name of the school?
1: Lincoln Tech. I went to the Shelton campus.
0: Great. So there are a couple of things about that, because um, when you said I could do it online now, during the pandemic, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people shifted their anything that they want to consider study to online. And because there's very little choice, but when you do have a choice, what you've talked about in regard to those nuggets in regard to the the uh, inspiration of of those practicing chefs, bakers, and the way you felt uh, with them made a big difference.
1: It did. I'm also I'm a very hands-on learner, so being able to see them create these things and then help us learn how to create them, and then receiving their professional feedback, because when I bake at home, it's you know it's my family, it's my friends, and most of the time, you know they're honest, they'll tell me what they think, but being able to get feedback from someone who's done this before, who's in the business, it's, it's a big difference. And it's definitely very encouraging when they are encouraging you and they like the things that you're making.
0: I watched the great British baking show as did almost everyone I know. And I watch it quite often. I kind of miss it. It's not coming up on PBS right now, but watching In fact, I think the first time I saw in Facebook that you're moving into the baking, that came to me immediately. What would have Sarah's life been like if she'd been invited on the Great British Baking Show? Because I watched those people and they were all there because they loved baking. They were good at it. Some of them had been schooled. Some were self-taught. But they, they just put themselves out there in front of a camera for what seven or eight weeks uh, with those two judges. (laughs) And when I saw the judges, they'd come around and they'd go, "Hmm, I don't know, it's a little tart or it's too much flour. Now, did you get that kind of judging on your work when you're in culinary school?
1: A little bit on it. It was a lot of it was technique and they would watch how you made things. So it wasn't necessarily always about your final product because you could always improve, but they want to make sure that you knew how to make certain things, like how to strain something, how to separate eggs, how to do this without, or in the best way possible, I would say. So it was yeah. a lot more technique criticisms than it was final product, I would say.
0: Yeah. Well, I could see, picture some of those folks. They really do, did know how to. They had to move fast and crack eggs and do all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it, it, it was. I've, if I were still teaching, I would have brought a few of those uh, uh, episodes to class, and I would say, "Let's watch how these people perform." We've watched,
1: we... we watched a few different cooking shows and competitions in our classes.
0: <laughs> we used a lot of that. There's a lot of management in there. There's a lot of personal management. There's a lot of leadership going on in there. And the 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 role that the uh, the two women played. Uh, one was sort of comical, and the other uh, was more of the straight person. But they they were the ones who would say, "Okay, you've got five minutes. You know, three minutes." But in a way, they they played an interesting role too, because they they, they were essentially there to keep the show on <laughs> on mm-hmm. schedule. Uh, and everyone had their part, but uh, there was one woman and I remember in the last segment, and I I guess I can pull this up on on Netflix now, but she was attending a culinary school while doing the competition, And and she won. She hadn't even finished the school yet, but she won against some very serious bakers. And I remember I, I was thought, yes, yes, she's got a future. Now, you've learned the techniques, you've got a chance to practice it. I, uh, how did that now start to morph into a, a business where you're actually baking to sell?
1: Well, one of the biggest things like that I loved about the school is their career services department. Mm -hmm. They will do whatever they can to help you succeed after you graduate. I got continuous emails about job openings in the field, different opportunities. And as I read them, I was like, "Okay, I don't want to do that. It was, you know, working in a bakery for doing specifically bagels or just donuts. And I was like, I like to make what I like to make. Mm -hmm. And I as I read through the job offers and I was like, I can't afford to leave my job with the benefits that I have for, you know, one of these positions, if I'm looking for if I'm going to move into this field, I need to make sure it's a full time job with some sort of a benefits. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that really wasn't an opportunity that was coming up. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, when you're just coming out of school, it's all the entry level part time jobs that are that are really open. Oh yeah. And the more, thought, the more I thought about it, the more I realized I don't want to bake for somebody else. You know, I want to make what I want to make. And I was like, you know what, I think I'm just going to try to do it on my own.
0: We'll have a good boss anyway, I can, <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Uh, so what does that take? I, 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 when do I go into your brand new restaurant in downtown West Hartford? Uh, just give me a date. I'll make sure it's on my calendar.
1: It's probably going to be a while before I have my own store. <laughs> uh, I Originally, I was hoping to get a, a cottage license, which means you can bake out of your own home mm-hmm. and you can sell from there. Unfortunately, my town doesn't allow that. And oh. I also have cats, so I'd have to you know, either get a new place or get rid of the cats, which wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to get an official bakery license with the state and I didn't need a storefront. The good thing is I can rent a kitchen Ah, so there's there's a a good idea
0: in the the long run, too, from a standpoint. Definitely
1: for financial purposes to start with, at least. Um, There's a bakery in Hamden and they're open certain hours, but they use their kitchen the same time every day and they rent it out when they're not using it. There's probably six or seven of us that rent the same kitchen.
0: That's a great idea. A cooperative kitchen. Mm -hmm. Everybody wins.
1: And the person who owns it is very, one of the things she's told me, she's one of her missions when she started her bakery was to help other people who want to get started in the business because she didn't have that and she struggled when she was getting started. So having that opportunity to be able to help people that are reaching for the same goals that she was is like one of the big things she likes to do. And it was like her help and her,
0: her advice has been invaluable to me. Wow, what a, uh, some nice concurrences here. Rolling back for a minute, you, you made the leap to go into culinary school, and it was a leap, and it was a financial commitment. You got through that. Then you thought, well, maybe I'll work for someone, but as you see, that the industry is not ready yet to really reward people coming out from school no matter what age uh, you couldn't possibly do that unless someone came along with a huge salary and benefits mm-hmm. so you did you took the entrepreneur route which is a courageous step and when you were you could have been discouraged when they said no you can't have a cottage license but you weren't so what? when you found out you couldn't do it from home how did you discover this wonderful opportunity to uh, be part of this woman's uh, kitchen?
1: Um, well, I got lucky. So my sister has a friend who also had started her own bakery business um, and she also had rented a kitchen. So she gave me the steps of how she looked for someone. Um, and unknowing to me, when I looked, I Googled for you know kitchens for rent and I found this one in, Har- uh, in Hamden. And it turns out it was actually the exact same kitchen that my sister's friend had rented. And she had raved about the owner. She, she was saying how great it was, how helpful everybody was. And it wasn't until after I had contacted her and set up a meeting to view the kitchen that I realized, Oh, this is the exact same place.
0: Now they, uh, your, your luck is running well, Sarah. <laughs> what, uh, so what what have you been doing now that you've got access to a kitchen? Uh, how I've seen some of you—you uh, had a special Valentine special that I saw that on Facebook. How how are you getting the the food out so people are buying it? Uh, well, and uh, what uh, moving ahead, you're becoming more and more of a businesswoman in order to do it.
1: Yeah, it started definitely with family, and then my current coworkers. I would bring in, you know, menus, I have my business cards at my other job. Um, So a lot of my early customers and recurring customers were people that I already knew my coworkers. And then um, I started looking for opportunities to get my name out there a little bit more. So my town has this thing called the pumpkin festival every year. It's one of the little fairs you go, everybody's got a table set up for homemade things. And I, I managed to get a spot very last minute um, and that was the first big event that I was able to do. I made hundreds of cookies. I made hundreds of cakes and I just set it up and got my name out there. I, I ordered a banner with my name on it so I could, you know, people knew who I was. And it's, that, was, that was the first big event I signed up for. Um, mm-hmm. I actually did a, an event before that. I don't know if you recall. So when you, one of your courses, we had to interview somebody. And I had interviewed the founder of a nonprofit organization called Seymour mm-hmm. Ping. Mm-hmm. The very first event that my business was able to participate in was to be a sponsor for Seymour Pink's annual 5k race. (laughs) It was very exciting very kind of felt like a good circle moment because I was very I would say interested like I always like to help out I like to volunteer it's something I haven't been able to do a lot of since Mm -hmm. I graduated school and being able to be a sponsor for this for an organization that I've supported and I've Loved being like knowing what's going on with, and something that started in my hometown was a really good like community moment for me.
0: Yeah,
1: and so I I sponsored it. I made like two thousand treats, and I just I handed them out to all of the participants and all of the spectators of the race and the feedback and just the people being like, oh my god, you know, you did this, you know, for free basically. <laughs> it
0: was just well, such a good feeling. It was and... the, best, the best thing you could do from a business standpoint too, because the, the cheesy word is lost leader, but <laughs> I think it's more than that. It's the branding it's getting, it's, it's, and it's telling people, local people who like to run <laughs> uh, and watch runners that uh, and, and do things for charity that you're there and, and, I suspect that some people might have picked up the phone after that and asked you. I
1: got my, my first big order from a new customer came from that event.
0: All right. How'd that feel?
1: It was amazing. It was, it was making cookies for the high school dance, but it was my, my previous high school, you know, the, the teacher had some of the students try the cookies at the event and they were like, they were so happy with them. They decided to to have me make them for the event and it just, it felt so good.
0: You sold a lot of cookies. I've,
1: I've done well since then. I've I've had more big orders since those first events. I've done, aside from the race and the pumpkin festival, I have done one other big event. It was the Christmas in CT Expo. They hold it in Naugatuck last year. And I've got, I had other vendors as well as people who were just at the event. And I got a good amount of orders off of that. So it's going out, doing these events, you get your name out there and you meet all these great people and it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been stressful, say, it's it, terrifying, it's, but it is, I've uh, met a lot of really good people just through doing these little things.
0: There's a, there's a lot of labor involved, but it I maybe uh, it's a labor of love because you are meeting people, you're making people smile, you're becoming more and more of a hometown presence in Hampton and uh, maybe a little bit beyond. Where is the business headed next?
1: I wish I knew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now that is honest. That's Sarah,
1: Sarah Bobbitt. I want to do more events. I, the lead up to them is definitely stressful because of you have to make a lot of product, Mm. but even, with the, the couple I've done so far, the amount of things I've learned, the amount of time management I have learned, just how much I can make in this amount of time, the best way to store the products so I don't have to throw anything away. Mm-hmm. It's, I find that I'm really enjoying doing these bigger events where I can, like I, it's funny because I don't like customer service. I worked at Stop and Shop for seven years. and it Oh, was, I
0: remember that. I remember, I remember that
1: but one yeah. of my favorite things about doing the baking at these events is getting to interact and get to meet the customers and talk to them.
0: Right. So maybe the event, um, model will be your primary model as as opposed to having a counter, you know, where people are coming in and saying, well, I'll have two of those and three of those. Oh, I shouldn't eat that, but I'll, I'll, t- <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk a little bit because we're on, on time, but running down low, uh, what uh, is your what are your uh, most uh, desired treats then? Uh, is there something about your cookies or are you into cupcakes? what 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 would I be looking at if I were to bring you to an event?
1: Well, I definitely like to consider my baking. I call it comfort desserts because it's not, you know, fancy sculpted things you know I like chewy soft cookies fudgy brownies I not to brag but I make a fantastic cheesecake it has always been right one of my go favorite. ahead
0: and brag that's a it that's is, a tough I've
1: had, <laughs> I have had people tell me that they don't like cheesecake and the only one that they have ever enjoyed is the one that I made them you so go. it is definitely Just comfort foods. I do make some cake and cupcakes, but it's definitely not my my forte, I would say. Um, The one thing that I am really trying to get into, which I think I'm doing a pretty good job of already, is roll cakes because it is not something you see very often. What is that? So it is a very thin cake with frosting layered in that you roll up. And they're mostly seen, you know, for Thanksgiving, they do a pumpkin roll. A lot of the time stores have. Oh, yeah. For Christmas, they'd call the Bouche de Noël, is the traditional mm-hmm. one. But I've adapted it. I've made a pumpkin roll, a peanut butter chocolate one, a cranberry vanilla one I made for Christmas this oh, past I year. Oh, I want that one. I
0: love it.
1: <laughs> was, it was a surprising success, I that would say. Really, I made it really great. Yeah, I, I'm working on coming up with a lot of different flavors. I have a red velvet one I'm featuring for Valentine's Day. And it's, it's something you really don't see at other bakeries. It's not something very common, which is why I want it to kind of be my focus because I want to have that one thing that you can't really get anywhere else.
0: Boy, that is a very good business You must have gone to a business school. Did you go to a business
1: school? I did. I graduated in everything.
0: <laughs> Central Connecticut State University. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Well, I, I, I think you're you're in you're in very good shape now from a business standpoint. But there will be a point where the time tracks full time job you're in now and this bakery service growing where you may have uh, a tough choice ahead. Not right away, probably, but.
1: I am i am lucky. I'm very fortunate that my current job, my bosses, are also very supportive of this business that I'm starting. Good. Um, so they understand when I need to take a day off, if I need to leave early. Um, obviously, as long as we give them the notice, it's always usually really good. They let me advertise my business there. I put business cards out. I get to post my menus when I have specialties.
0: That's Um, really unusual. I'm glad that that it sounds like they really care about you as a person, but also they need you. You're you're a lead. (laughs) You get the stuff out on time and get it done right.
1: It's a good balance. I think that they're they're supportive because I don't think if, if they weren't, I would probably have to make that choice a lot sooner. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I know, I know I want to go into the baking full time, but the biggest issue is being self-employed with insurance is not nearly as affordable as having insurance through the company.
0: No, it isn't. But there, there is a chance, uh, as you're building that business to find the next Sarah, uh, who may be in high school or maybe working at, you know, in a community college or, or who would love to loves baking and would love to have uh, a job with flexibility. Mm-hmm. And you could have um, someone either bringing her in under a contract or have an, have an employee. Is yeah. It's currently
1: have? technically a, a single person business right now. I am the only employee yeah. However, my, my family is there to help. My dad is my unofficial unofficial delivery driver. He will take things wherever I need. If it's during my regular work hours,
0: my sister is
1: my, I like to call my sister, my sous chef. She does mainly help me with dishes, but if I need, when I need things labeled and packaged for an event, she is there to help.
0: Well, there is now there's your solution right there. Mm -hmm. Well, I am so delighted we caught up. Me too. Yeah. Is there any particular thing you remember about my classes you've already mentioned a couple of things i need a little i need a little love i need to know that i made a difference while i was there
1: specific details i will tell you i'm not remembering but i know for a fact the the course on quality was one where the concepts really stuck with me and i feel like i've put that into both of my current jobs i have i hold myself to high standards to make sure that things are the way I want them to be, and I want people to to get the best quality they can for me in every aspect.
0: Well, I'll take that as a as a very nice thing that you remembered, because the, that was a very unique course there, and uh, I still have in touch with uh, Joe DeFeo from the Duran uh, business. He's now branched out a bit, but... Um, and there is a fear on Duran scholarship at Central. So mm-hmm. that, that was a nice connection. And I loved, I love to hear you say that you hold that to a high standard because the customer will know instantly when they take that first forkful of cheesecake. They'll know, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what you're aiming for, the big smile.
1: I do. I, I love getting people's feedback. I love when I bring stuff and I'll bring treats into to my job just because I had extra or because I was testing something and I'm like, guys, please don't be afraid to tell me what you think. If you like it, if you don't like it, I want to know, I want to improve. And I just, when someone walks by and they're like, Hey, that was really good. Thank you. I just, it makes it worth it. And you stress anything like that.
0: <laughs> well, that makes me happy too then. So, uh, thank you so much for doing this at the end of a busy thank you. day
1: this was this was fun i was a little nervous but i enjoyed this nervous being with doc
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it didn't show any your answers have been very helpful to anyone trying to understand practice the sarah bobbins way
1: <laughs> thank you so much
0: Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcasts, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, oh! how could I have forgotten? Our digital book on practice as a way of being is now available. You'll find it online at www.mylibrary.world. I worked on that book after Peter passed away, and I think you will find it a unique and very very mobile reading experience since it's wherever your screen is in hand or at hand